With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Bet with Tote and support racing in the UK and Ireland. After a weekend of gravy, we've got the duo back. It's Andrew Blair-White. Hi, I'm sorry, thanks. I'm all right, my man. I was delighted to see your reaction to the running order yesterday. Yep. He goes, Scottish champion hurdle. Oh, fantastic. Future champions, novices chase. Mmm, magnifique. Scottish Grand National. Wait. The what? The the Mansion Bet Spring Cup Handicap. What the hell is this, Kennedy? He was not impressed. But he's, he's in flat mode. It's okay. Uh, and he has been bringing the gravy. And another man who's been bringing the gravy. Dearie me. Dicko Ilandid. 80 to 1. 66 to 1. Each way scumbag bet again. Landed. By the genius that is. A man who also tipped the Grand National winner. Manila Times. It's the return of the godfather, Mr. Rory DeLarge. How are you, sir? Hello. If you bet with Tote, Tote Plus, 10% extra on your winnings and all dividends. I mean, come on. You've got to be betting with Tote on Sunday. To the 225 at air, the Scottish champion hurdle where Calico is your 5-2 to two favorite currently. Milkwood, around about the 3-1 to one shot. Time White, 13-2. to two. Tommy's Oscar is about 7s. Diego de Chamel, 15-2. to two. 14. And um, yeah, Rory's getting annoyed at pronunciations. Let's just go. Uh, Andrew Blair White, who wins the Scottish champion hurdle? Yeah. Yeah, good race, Samus. Um, there's been an awful lot of money for this Calico, um, which I think has, has come together from people putting two and two together. Skelton, I think, could have run four or five of his horses in this, and he's decided to run this horse. Good form behind Cape Gentleman at Kempton. I thought he threw it away, though, that day mm. in the Dovecut, which I wasn't overly impressed by, and then he slightly scrambled over the line at Long Odds on at Warwick. He wouldn't be for me as much as I know the um, the skeleton horses always have to be very well respected. I just think some of them are getting well over bet at this stage because because of the whole Harry Skelton going for the jockey's title thing. Uh, and the one that you're getting a much bigger price than I believe you should do is Tommy's Oscar uh, at, at seven to one. I believe he should be shorter than that. I was really taken with the way he did it at Kelso the last day, beating Christopher Wood and across the line very impressively. He's been very consistent this year. Just one bad run at Kelso the, the time before where he was sixth behind the Shunter, but the Shunter was first and Favoir was third, and that form looks pretty robust at this stage in the Moore battle. Uh, before that, he was second at Bareback Jack, and he'd won a couple of novice hurdles before then. I think he's still improving. He's over mark of 138 now, so this is his toughest assignment. But Anne Hamilton's done a, a very good job with the small string she has this year. And when you think of nuts, well, this horse, pay the piper, they're all, you know, very good money spinners for the yard. And, and this horse has been brought together perhaps a little bit more quietly uh, with a race like this, probably in mind throughout the year. And uh, I, I think personally, I, I'd have Tommy's Oscar as a four or five to one shot. So you're getting seven to one. Some people would want to play that each way. Uh, you could back him on the nose as well. I think a few of these ahead of him, Milkwood's, finds ways to not win races mm. and Time White's been a bit of a bust recently. I can't understand how Time White's 13-2 to two and Anna Benina's 10s uh, when the form would indicate that Anna Benina was ahead of Time White at uh, Cheltenham and County Hurdle but they were quite they were kind of also rams in that race so i take Tommy's Oscar the one that's maybe missed some of the big meetings uh, and I think you're getting a big bigger price than you should do. Yeah, you can get eights 
in places, to be fair, about Time White. So I think you're right about the skeleton horses. Oh, by the way, it's two and two together. Um, also, I wonder how welcome Harry Skelton will be in the north. It's all about Brian Hughes this weekend. We'll see. The north remembers. Good old Game of Thrones. Roy Delargy. Uh, I largely agree with, with that. Um, bit harsh and milkwood. Um, saying he finds ways of, of uh, losing races like he ran the race of his life in the in the county last time out. Um, you know, the the winner was a, a, a grade one winner in Wheeling, despite the fact that he sneaked in there off a, off a ridiculously uh, low weight. Hey, hey, the Irish county. horses were all horrifically handicapped. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Terrible the treatment the Irish horses got. I think Milkwood is the right favourite for this race, but I think he was, he was or he was the right favourite for the race. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, similarly, I'm not massively convinced about... Um, uh, about the move on on Calico, um, for all he's unexposed, I agree with what um, what Andrew said about him. He could win this. I wouldn't be a, a, a hugely surprised, but he was entitled to win as well as he did at Warwick last time out, and he did wander around um, at Kempton when he was beaten in the um, in the Dove Cup, which wasn't a, I don't think was a great race. I think the winner was well placed uh, to come across and win that. Um, I also do like Tommy's Oscar. He's bound him on a little bit further in time. He's done really well this season. I've liked him all the way through. Um, and I was delighted to see him bounce back from that um, that defeat at Kelso to produce a career best last time out. But he is, you know, he's he's um, uh, in a tougher race off a six-pound higher mark here and he needs to improve again to win. I don't, I don't think he's a bad price. Um, but I think on balance, I think Time White is probably the bet in the race. Uh, he will... I know he was well beaten on the county hurdle, but he wouldn't be um, uh, he wouldn't be as, as strong a stare as one or two of these. Um, and Nicholas has always made it known that he wanted to come for this race. This is this has been his end of season target. This is not an afterthought for Time White. Um, I've I've been keen on Milkwood all season because, um, and I thought his his fourth in the Welsh Champion hurdle was was really strong form as has been proven since. Uh, and then he was very unlucky in the. Um, in the Jerry Fields, and of course, in that Jerry Field, and Time White was also unlucky. Um, he was hampered and uh, unseated Harry Cobden there um, when he was still uh, travelling strongly. He was trading away three to one at the time at the second last, um, and he had no chance of staying on board. And of course, Milkwood, who was travelling very strongly there, um, was uh, was taken out of the race at the same time. Um, they're, they're quite similar types in that both of them were rested until the Beffer Hurdle. After that, both of them travelled really well through the Beffer Hurdle before looking like. Uh, the run was needed. They almost used that at the richest handicap hurdle uh, in of the entire season uh, to put themselves right for uh, for a run at Cheltenham. Uh, Time White actually, despite the fact he finished ninth in that race, he traded two point four in running, uh, and he was on fancy. He was a fifty to one pook um, on that on the on the uh, exchange. Um, he never really threatened, um, and what again wasn't at all fancied in the county hurdle. But on um, on quickish ground, assuming that they don't get any rain. There's rain due uh, late um, uh, Sunday into Monday, a lot of rain on Monday from a weather forecast that I've had a couple of days ago. I've not, I've not checked it again now. Um, but assuming they don't get rain, um, that'll be a big positive for him. If it does get soft, that would be a concern. He definitely wants top of the ground time one. He definitely wants a sharp test at two miles, which this is. is really made for a speed horse. Uh, and I think at the prices, he's probably the one to be on. Uh, I'm not suggesting he's got more of a chance uh, specifically than... Um, uh, the Milkwood, um, as I said, you know, if you, I thought Milkwood would have won the um, uh, the Jerry Field and the way it panned out, um, but obviously he's now moved up to to a mark of 142. Uh, they raced off the same mark in the um, in the Betfair Hurdle, and Time White is now on 138, so he's four point better off from where he was. And I think on value grinds, he just sheds it. Well, we've had some upsets in this race in years gone by, so I would not put anyone off. The Time White Tommy's Oscar Exacta reverse. We had exacta. one of the we had one of the uh, one of the shocks in this race. Chesterfield was a stone bonking certainty in 2017. Yeah, that's right. I think you I think you'll find. So yeah, you that in, in the February. But didn't you put him up at like twenties that week? Well, were, and he went off at twelves or something crazy like that. Yeah, but he was well. Obviously, I, as I said, he, he was a horse that you know. I, I said what he what he wants is a is a decent one of these decent handicap hurdles and good grind. And I ended up he- almost heavy for the county hurdle. He ran really well to be fourth, I think. Mm. And then came and uh, came and won this. That was a that was my last winner. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, except for last weekend when you had 
many other times in the Grand National. But aside from that, um, and of course, being crowned NAPS champion of the yeah, Racing been. Post last year as move well. It along, lad. Uh, but uh, not not living in the past at all, Mr. Delargy. as we move on to the three o'clock, the Jordan Electrics uh, Limited Future Champions Novices Chase Grade 2 because Rory always loves it when I say that. All Mankind is slightly odds-on favour than uh, Tumak Dumatan. Awful. I know, I know, I know. 15 to 8. Um, and then there's two others. Is it just between the two, Andrew? Um, I think that's a bit of a discredit to the, to the other two horses who are both nice progressive types themselves. Uh, they would have a fair bit to find on the figure's mind. Look, All Mankind's probably the best horse in this race, and as much as I didn't like him for, for the Arkle at all, like his record away from Cheltenham is, is exemplary. Just a little bit concerned at this stage whether they may be just going to the well one too many times this year. He's had a hard enough season. He looks the type of horse that's constantly giving himself hard races. I don't know whether that's the, the case or not, but he looked a very, very tired horse at the finish in the Arkle. They went off far too quick. And he's up a half mile today, or sorry, on Sunday. So I think there's enough just on that evidence, despite the fact that he is probably the best horse in the race, to take him on at, at odds on. Uh, and I, I would, I'd side with Tamarok to Matan. I thought he did it quite nicely in the pendle, uh, beating Galo and Cool Cody. Cool Cody's given out kind of mixed messages for that form. He ran quite well at the festival, then didn't run great the other day at Cheltenham. Uh, back in another handicap chase, but he'd had a, t- a diff- difficult season as well. Prior to that second, a Shishkin, that's obviously pretty good form, even though he was well beat. Jumps quite nicely and seems to like a bit of nice ground. Um, so I think he'll sit and stalk all mankind. This Malistic may well go forward as well. He, he has done in the past. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they ride him because if they go and try and match eyeballs with All Mankind, uh, that, that will be his race run, I suspect. And Tamarok to Matan to hopefully sit in behind them and pounce late uh, and, and go on and maybe be the slightly stronger stare. Certainly with the way he finished in the pendle, you'd like to hope he might have, have the edge in the final furlong or two for All Mankind, who's been a very admirable horse this year. But uh, I'd be concerned whether... Uh, they, they've maybe gone to the gone to the pot one too many times. I'm in agreement, by the way. Uh, Roy Delaghi? Uh Yes, pretty much agree with all of that. Um, he is just about the pick over Tamarok de Matan. But Tamarok de Matan, again, is a horse who, who's been laid out for this meeting, um, coming here straight after the uh, his, his best win so far on the pendle. Um, and although that isn't as good um, as the favourite's, uh, best form. I just think he's liable to peak here, Tamarok Tomat, and I think he'll, he'll take his form up um, again a couple of pounds. Whereas you'd be a little bit wary of whether all mankind will give his running. If he does, he wins. Um, but I think it's a fair chance that he won't. And Tamarok Tomatan, um, you know, does have the scope to do a little bit better than he has. We haven't seen um, the best of him at all so far. Um, and um, he will. You know, I think I think you give all mankind a, a bit of a race, even if the um, even if all mankind was at his best. Um, and I think with the chance of with the possibility of him running flat after Cheltenham, um, I'd prefer to be with Tamrock to Matson. But I, I suspect that betting on the day will will go in that direction, really. Mm, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm not sure that I'm not sure you're going to uncover an awful lot of value in the race. Um, but obviously, um, Nichols has won this race a few times. Um, including with Secret Investor uh, uh, two years ago, obviously, um, and Le Mercury uh, um, a few years ago, horses with similar sort of profiles. So um, I think he will. Um, I think he'll win it again, but I'm not sure that there's there's enough in there for me to want to want to have a punt on the rest. More from Andrew and Rory in our weekend preview in a second. First of all, Tilt Plus. Jamie talked to us about this on our Grand National review, and I got to tell you about it. It provides the biggest and best pool betting payouts available to racing fans. Total on a mission to provide bettors and especially Final Forum Podcast listeners with extra gravy by giving the best value possible and this 
does just that. Let me explain why. Tote Plus is a new enhanced dividend on all of Tote's racing pools. So with Tote Plus, you're now getting better value than ever, and betters can take advantage of some of the brilliant payouts the pools provide at the biggest meetings of the year. So let's look back at the Cheltenham Festival, for example. Tote beat the SP on 17 out of the 28 races. But even when they didn't, there's still the Tote SP guarantee. So Tote will match the SP, even if they don't beat it. Well, now on top of that, they will boost your winnings by 10%. So not only do you have the potential of being paid more by Tote, you also have the Tote guarantee for SP and 10% extra guaranteed with Tote Plus. They are giving you free money. Let me just walk you through a hypothetical. Can I walk you through a hypothetical? Let's say you managed to win the place pot. You will get 10% more back than if you bet in a shop or through one of Tote's partner websites. Even the Scoop 6. Let's say you manage to land a huge rollover and you win a million pounds. Tote will boost your winnings to 1,100,000 pounds. That's what Tote Plus is. Tote Plus is a game changer, but it is only available if you bet directly via tote.co.uk or the official Tote app. The gravy is there. And with a big weekend coming up, sign up now at tote.co.uk. If you're signing up for a new account, you will get a risk-free bet on any of their pools and you're getting 10% extra on your winnings as well. Full terms and conditions apply. Be 18 plus, begambleaware.org. Also, if you manage to get the reference that I said, let me walk you through a hypothetical. Can I walk you through a hypothetical? If you know what that's from, tweet me at Radio Emmet or at Final Furlong Pod using the hashtag FFP Comp, and I will send you a Final Furlong Podcast mug. If you know that reference, let me walk you through a hypothetical. Can I walk you through a hypothetical? What's that from? Let me know. And a Final Furlong Podcast mug is yours, and you will have my undying respect. Let's get back to the best bets for the weekend. No taking risks for Sean. I hate Robbie Supple's guts. Quinlan. It's going to be some crack. So for the Carl Scottish Grand National 335 live on ITV and racing TV, I write 6 to 1. Sam's Adventure is then 10s. Dingo Dollar, 10s, although is shorter in places. Soldier of Love, you can get 10s about. Uh, Vintage Clouds, 12s. Mighty Thunder is around about 14s. Uh, Mr. Fog Patches with Danny Mullins on board, 14s. And then there he is, Shawnee Quinlan on the Ferrymaster. And he told you if he wasn't going to be on board taking risks. That was the horse he was most likely going to ride. 14 to 1 is the best price that you can get. Rory, you managed to get the winner of the Grand National last week for us. Well done, sir. Can you do it again? Who's going to win the Scottish Grand National? Well, unfortunately, the horse I thought was going to win the Scottish Grand National at a massive price. Um, is now a non-runner. Oh! Deeply disappointing. I have done. I've done a. Um, if you want to read my thoughts on all the runners for this, uh, you can find it on the uh, on the Sporting Life website. Uh, I've had to. I've had to change my verdict um, on the contest as a result of um, uh, Lord Napier not running. Um, perhaps he goes to the. I, I don't know why he's come out. Uh, he had a very similar profile to um, uh, to a horse called Alco, who won it for. Um, uh, for owner and trainer um, a few years ago, and I thought I thought they were planning a, a very similar coup uh, to with that forty to one winner. He was definitely definitely backed. Um, he'd been run, running over hurdles and, and a decent hurdler as well, Lord Napier. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But that's by the by for now. Um, lots of horses who should run well without winning. Um, you know, uh, Lakeview lads uh, clearly hits. Um, entry, a bit of a vintage Clyde in that regard, mm. and has run well on this before. I ride's bound to run well, but again, you know, I, I don't think that clearly he's going to see the handicapper. Um, you know, he was he was rated in the one forties uh, at the start of the season. He's he's won five four now without winning a race, and I just feel that the handicapper's always got a chance to to stop him from winning these these contests. Um, the the first one um, looking down the card, who, who I would give a big chance to, is not a chance. Um, ironically, uh, for Alan King. Now, he was pulled up last time. That was in the Grand National Trial at Haydock. Um, but he went lame in that race. Um, and prior to that, he looked a horse on the up and up. And a horse that, that um, Alan King... Alan King loves winning the Scottish National. Nothing uh, King he likes more than that. Um, shouting at journalists, maybe. But uh, <laughs> winning Scottish Nationals... 
is is really what Kingy wants to do. And obviously won this with uh, uh, with Gosby Judge uh, back in 2013. You get the impression. I think he might have said it as well in his his, um, uh, his weekend column that not a chance was a horse. He was he was trying to um, uh, engineer a um, a big run in this race. So he he um, he didn't run him in the Welsh National as he could have earlier in the year. He won a um, he won a good thing. It was the Duchess of Westminster at Bangor uh, in November, and then he laid him out for the uh, for the Classic Chase at Warwick, which I thought he won in good style. Uh, the horse he beat that day, Achille, was coming back from a, a layoff, but he's run well since. In fact, he ran well in the uh, in the race, and not a chance pulled up in last time. Um, you can put a line through that, and he should bounce back from it. He should also be be uh, although his his done is winning on soft and heavy ground, he should have no problem with uh, with a, a quicker surface for all. If the rain does arrive, it won't be a bad thing for him. So I think he's liable to bounce back, and you you get a reasonable price about him because uh, people will look at his latest form line and go, right, well that's that's him off the rails, pulling up there. But as I said, ignore that. But ironically, given that Kingy really wants to win a Scottish National, when Dingle Dollar does win the race, Kingy's oh. going to be apoplectic. Oh, oh now we're talking. Ballistic. Let's go. Let's because go, Because he, he used to train Dingle Dollar. Yes, he did. Um, and the horse moved to, uh, the owners moved him to Sandy Thompson last time and he suddenly bounced back to form having um, run badly uh, a few times. He's had a wind, uh, a wind problem. He's had, had wind surgery before his previous start and then he disappointed um, in the um, the Grand Sefton, which would be over a trip too short for him anyway. He's run well in a couple of um, Hennessy's slash Ladbrokes trophies. Um, this is Ladbrokes his ground. Trophy. And he bounced right back to his very best, having dropped in the handicap to win easily at Newcastle last time on his first start for Sandy Thompson. Uh, they put a tongue tie on him for the first time. Rather odd that he wasn't wearing a tongue tie in the beach or having, uh, sorry, in the Grand Sefton having had wind surgery. Most trainers tend to go with wind surgery and the tongue tie on top of it. Um, uh, Kingy didn't, but Sandy Thompson did, um, and he won well under Ryan Mania. Brian Hughes has been booked here, which is a bit, very, very positive ride, uh, booking rather. And Deco Dollar, I think it deserves to be favourite for this race. I thought I, thought I might get a slightly bigger price about him earlier in the week. Um, he was pretty well found in the market, but I, he does. He looked an, an ideal horse for this race. He ran really well. There's a competitive novices handicap chase on this card. Um, that he was placed in um, as a, a six-year-old um, for Kingy, and obviously he's had his issues since. But he looks back to his best. He's still only nine. Uh, I'm not suggesting he's improving at that, but he's shown in the past that he's more than capable of winning a race like this off a mark of one four five. That's actually lower than he was at the start of last year, uh, given that he's he's refound his form. And as I said, he ran he ran up to his very very best um, on his latest start. One by ten lengths could have won by twenty. Uh, obviously, that was a weaker race that he was in. Um, I think it was a big plus that he went to the front there. Um, he didn't. He didn't lead um, at the entry, um, but he seems happier when he when he's um, out in front. He jumps better. Uh, he's not guaranteed to get an easy lead, but I think as long as he's in the van, that's that's the big positive um, for him. And and that's that's what you want in this race as well. Um, you don't tend to come from off the pace in a, in a Scottish national. It suits horses who, who can are able to to race on the pace and have a little bit of um, a little bit of speed about them as well as stamina. And I think that will that will stand to him in very good stead. Uh, obviously, the likes of Mighty Thunder, who was um, second in the um, uh, in the Midlands National, um, w- would be a danger. Um, but plenty of these have got questions to answer. Um, a lot of them, you know, wouldn't be wouldn't be the nippiest. I know you've got to stay four miles to win a race like this, but it, it's it's difficult. It's difficult for a slow poke to win a Scottish National unless the ground comes up very soft. You've got to have the gears to be reasonably handy. Uh, it doesn't. You don't have to be, you know, super fast. But these these old staying chasers who like to just keep plugging away, Scottish National is not the ideal race for them generally. As I said, unless it comes up really deep. Um, so a few of these who, who you know will stay all day are, are not the easiest to fancy towards the bottom of the weights. Uh, the Hollow James, for example, is a horse who, you know, he will stay five miles quite happily, but he just doesn't travel or jump well enough in his races for me to, to, to fancy him. I know I know there are a few out there who, who would give him a chance at the biggest price. Um, uh, Big River, similarly, you know, he stays all day and he's more than capable of winning a race like this. He's, he's run well at the Chocolate Festival a couple of times. But he tends to get himself badly placed in his races. 
Um, Claudin Goldie um, is likely raced for a horse of his age, but again, he can make mistakes in his races, and most of his form has come in smaller fields and at Kelso. Like most of all his runs have come at Kelso. And you go through the field like that, and plenty of them are similar sort of profiles. Uh, so, which is why I was so keen on um, uh, on Lord Napier in the first place. But I did think that the, the blindingly obvious danger to him was Dingle Donner, um, and not a chance would be the one that I think is is the other towards the head of the market who would offer a bit of value. I love it. And uh, I was quite interested in him beforehand, but I wasn't going to put him up, but I was just interested to hear what Rory, Rory was going to say. And then boom, he comes up with him. I love it, Rory. I love it. And we talked about this horse quite a bit in the show in the past. Right. Uh, Andrew Blair White, your pick for the Scottish Grand National. Yeah, well, I'd echo an awful lot of what Rory's just said there about the, the majority of the main protagonists in this. I wouldn't be against uh, Dingo Dollar winning. Uh, I, I would probably be taking on I Rice just at the prices, you know, five to one for a horse that does seem to struggle to get his head in front, doesn't seem mm-hmm. great. Uh, I, I thought the one, uh, I know, probably takes a bit of a leap of faith given his form. He's only won one race, but. You must wonder what Pat Fahey's doing, sending Mr. Fog Patches over to this off bottom weight. Uh, I think it's all too too interesting to not be I- intrigued. Uh, you look at the form the last day uh, when he was fourth at Leopardstown, Live Love Laugh in there, and Snugsborough Hall, both who came, who came for- first and fourth in the top of him, and uh, Ishka Baha, who's, who's won a competitive handicap at Fairy House since. He was arguably very unlucky not to finish a lot closer than the 10-length fourth he did. He's beginning to get a handle of things over fences. This would be his biggest assignment to date by no question, but he is sneaking in off bottom weight as a result. And Danny Mullins booked, which is obviously an excellent uh, an excellent booking. This horse has just always shaped, I feel like he wants a big trip. He was placed many times over three miles, three mile one over hurdles. He hasn't tackled uh, as big a trip. The last day at Leopardstown being two mile five was the was the longest he's gone over fences so far. And just might be one of these where he's got a bit of natural pace about him in comparison to some of these that he might be able to hold his pitch. The, the, the Probably the thing that's going to count against him is is jumping just in terms of inexperience. And that is probably a, a major thing to consider. But as a result, he is quite unexposed. You, you see how he, over at Cheltenham, at Aintree, how good these Irish horses have done just seems it seems bizarre really that the Pat Fay would, would interest it. He doesn't send that many over to, to England in the first England or Scotland in the first place. Uh, so they must think he has a bit of a squeak. And I think there's there's enough in his form to suggest that a big staying trip might help. And the last day's form I, I take to be quite good that fourth at Leopardstown, a very competitive handicap chase on their season finale so I, I'd, I'd like him and the other one I'd like is actually uh, Sean Quillen's ride the ferry master oh! again, a, similar comments apply very unexposed horse again looks like he wants a big trip he's won twice over three miles this year uh, the two times he's been beaten have been over two and a half the last day he was beaten in a good race uh, at, at Haydock well beat to be fair in a two and a half mile race by Galahad Quest uh, for what it's worth, I think that the second horse in that, Marone, will enhance the form earlier on the card. I think in the 150, I think he'll take a heap of beating in the three-mile novice handicap. Uh, so that could enhance that that look form. I think he needs a step back up and trip. Whether he wants a complete four miles, that's you know hard to know. But he does like better ground from his point-to-point days with Colin Bow. I think he's got a lively enough chance. And again, nearer the bottom of the weights. I just think a few of these at the top of the weights are, are fairly opposable and fairly exposed. As I said earlier, I wouldn't put anyone off the two roars, put up Dingo Dollar and not a chance. They'd be, um, they'd, they'd have been on my shortlist, that's for sure. But I think at the prices, I think you can get 14 to 1 in a place on both of mine, the Ferry Master and Mr. Fog Patches, and I'll take them both each way. I love the fact that you've put up Sean Quinlan. I'm very interested in all three of your selections to the point that I would be looking at a TriCast. Thank you very much with the tote, particularly with this tote plus 10% bonus on all dividends. Nice. So the Ferry Master gets a very positive mention. Uh, Danny Mullins, good friend of the show, of course. And uh, of course, it's Dingo Dollar for Rory DeLarge. And I presume complete and utter war between Sean Quinlan and the starter. If Robbie Subble's there, 
Oh, oh, please be there, Robbie Sullivan, please. The one weekend we'd like you to be there. Uh, if you haven't heard our entry review, uh, we did two, uh, days one and two uh, with Jess Stafford and Kate Tracy. Of course, we talk about the historic success of Rachel Blackmore and Jess was there for that. She was also there for Buzz, who ran second in the entry hurdle, but runs for the Royal Marathon Cancer Charity. So that meant a, a huge amount to them that they were second. Then we're joined by Paul Ferguson, Jamie Benson and Sean Quinlan. And the show pretty much opens with Sean Quinlan just laying into Robbie Supple and all also sharing the view of the weighing room and what his fellow jockeys think of him. You can hear all that now. They're the two podcasts previous to this one on your podcast app. And remember to like, share and subscribe, as all the YouTube kids say. To the flat. So Newbury, good. 135 to buy duty-free finest surprise steaks. I'm not even going to give you prices, Andrew. I'm just going to go straight to you. Come on, let's go. You cannot wait to talk about it. Let's go, baby. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good race, to be fair. Um, I think there's plenty in here with kind of quite unexposed profiles coming from their three-year-old campaign. And I'm going to I'm going to side with one of them. Um, I think the I think the favourite is this Al-Azi, um, who's last seen behind Mogul in, in the Gordon Stakes at Goodwood. He, he looked quite progressive up until then. He seemed to be quite short. I think he was fifteen to eight when when I looked at the at the book, which I thought was a was a hint short, considering we haven't seen him for that long an amount of time. And and the one I'm going to give a chance to also on his, on his seasonal reappearances without a fight uh, for the Crisford team and Andrea Atzini. Just thought he was a very nice kind of progressive type last year. Started off in in a mile two Newbury. Uh, maiden when he came third and ended up winning three on the bounce after that. And he was quite a close third behind Berkshire Rocco on his last start in the No More Less. Berkshire Rocco had previously finished uh, second, obviously, in the ledger and has gone on to finish second in a, in a group one out in Doha uh, back in February time there. So I, I think that that was a, a decent enough performance. And I think it could have been marked up slightly as well. Um, and I think maybe dropping back to a staying mile and a half could well suit this horse. He's unexposed on a bit of nicer ground as well, uh, which I'd be interested to see. He's only run on, on good to firm uh, once at Red Car when winning pretty impressively. Now, the form of that is open to a fair amount of questions. So uh, it'd be interested to see how he, how he's going to go on it in this better type of race. Uh, but I think he's around 6 to 1, 13 to 2. And well, I'll probably play that each way. It wouldn't be one of my stronger fancies of the weekend, that, that being said. But... Um, I think he's as good a chance as any. He's a, he's a nicely progressive horse last year. Still, you know, I think there's unfinished business with him as a four-year-old this year. So hopefully he can develop into a nice type of uh, nice type of gelding for the Christopher team and, and collect plenty of prize money. Okay. Um, I think you are right, by the way, that the price about him now is around about six to one. Maybe, maybe even... 13 to 2 in places, possibly, uh, but without a fight uh, for Simon and Ed Crisford and Andrea Edzini. Uh, so that's the starting point. Roy DeLarge, what about you? I quite like Deja. Ah. Deja. Um, not seen since since finishing down the field in the Ebor. Um, had no chance the way that race was run. Um, you can forget. If you if you had a look back at the Ebor, um you had to be on the front end um, pretty much from the get-go to, to figure in the finish of the Ebor. And he was on, give Harry Bentley a rather unfortunate ride and that he didn't settle in the early stages and Harry held him up and, you know, basically spent the first half of the race trying to get him to, to settle. Um, and then he didn't have an awful lot of chance of, um, of um, getting into the contest from there. And it's a bit of a write-off. It was right off for a few horses, the Ebor. Um, so I completely ignore that. And uh, aside from that, he's got a very, very likable um, profile. Obviously, he's only raced in handicaps, um, but he was uh, runner-up at Royal Ascot last year in the uh, in the Duke of Edinburgh um, behind Scarlet Dragon, um, giving that horse weight. Um, I thought it was a very good performance. Uh, and he's followed that up by winning um, another of the most competitive handicaps of the season, the old Newton Cup at Hayter. Now that was on heavy ground, but obviously it wasn't. It wasn't particularly testing at, at Ascot. I don't think he'll need. I mean, I wouldn't want him on, on lightning fast ground. Um, and obviously, we had to keep an eye on the on the weather forecast. But I don't think he needs it really soft. I think he's just a massive improver. Um, he uh, he had a bit in hand over Laffy and the Trader 
um, at Haydock, and obviously he's stepping up in class here. But you know, he was he was he won one of the most competitive handicaps of the turf season um, in the UK last year of a mark of 105. And if that doesn't make him a Group Three horse, I don't know what does. Ryan Moore booked for Peter Chapel Hyam. Um, I don't. I mean, obviously he he might need the run after a break, but um, he was he was pretty ready at Royal Ascot last year, only beaten half a length there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think so. I think he'd run really well. Um, and his form compares favourably with most of the fields. So I'll give him a chance stepping up in class. Okay. Uh, so Dea is 72, 4-1 in places, uh, as we're currently recording, and is only the second runner of the season for Peter Chabalheim, um, as we record. Uh, but the Ryan Moore booking, very significant. We'll get more from Rory and Andrew in a second. First of all, the Final Furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote, looking to bring pool betting back to the masses with better value, brilliant bets, and, of course, the slick new app. And with the Tote guarantee, you'll never be paid less than SP and win bets. And if the pool pays more, you get the bigger price. And with Tote Plus, you get that extra 10% gravy on top. It has never been easier to place your favorite bets online including PlaySpot, Scoop6, Exactas, Trifectas, and the Tote Survivor, where the aim of the game is to be the last person standing. If you have not got an account yet, join Tote today and enjoy a risk-free bet on any of Tote's pools. Terms and conditions apply. While we're talking about some free gravy, our good friends at Weatherbees have teamed up with us again because they have released a new book that is a must-have for all racing fans. From classic contenders to hardened handicappers, the Weatherbees team, with our good friend Paul Ferguson, run the rule over more than 40 horses who look ready to win on the flat this year. It is complete with a dedicated section on two-year-olds, informative editorials exploring first-season sires, classic contenders, sales toppers, plus Paul Ferguson's five to follow on the flat. Of course, we got you covered here at the Final Furlong Podcast. All you have to do is head to weatherbeesshop.co.uk and enter the promo code FLAT21. That's all lowercase, FLAT21, and you will get three pounds off the digital print or the print and digital bundle. So it's entirely up to you. But we're giving you that final Forum podcast gravy once again with our good friends from Weatherbees. Flat21 is the promo code weatherbeesshop.co.uk. Get the gravy and get that essential insight. All right, back to the lads. We'll move on to the 210, which is the Dubai Duty Free Stakes, registered as... Fred Darling. Also, I've just remembered something. I corrected Rory about his, um, he said, Hennessy slash Labrooks. And I went, Labrooks trophy. And if there was a camera in the Final Final Podcast studio, I literally put my hand to my mouth going, oh, what have you done? It's always the Hennessy. It's always the Hennessy. And for some reason, it was like you almost tricked me into saying it. I don't know how, but um, I would like to correct that for the record. It's the Hennessy. Thank you very much. Right. Alcohol-free. Heads of the betting. Frandra Balding with Oshin Murphy on board. Uh, Happy Romance, Richard Hannon and Sean Levy. Uh, Round about fours. Isabella Giles, sixes. Uh, Dandela, uh, who was terrific last season, sevens. And uh, Lucid Dreamer, who we've only seen the twice for Roger Charlton and Jason Watson, daughter of Dan Silly. Out of Sleepwalk and Oasis Dreamer is 10s. Uh, let's start with Andrew Blair White, uh, the Dubai Duty Free Stakes, my friend. Yeah, she's very hard race, this. Uh, plenty of very good, uh, potentially very, very good fillies, uh, all with, with good profiles from last year, alcohol free. I think it is the worthy favourite, obviously, coming in here, having won the Chiefly Park. Uh, beating Miss Amulus to Ken Condon, who was uh, a bit of a revelation oh, last year for, star, for Ken Condon. Star, looked halfway through the year that she'd completely flattened off. I remember she got she got beaten a race, uh, I think at Down Royal, um, halfway through the summer, and you thought, well, she's petered out, and then she went on to to finish second in this and, and third, I think, over in the Breeders' Cup. Yep. Uh, so so alcohol free has her chance. Uh, I'd be willing to take on uh, Dan Dalla. Uh, I just had a suspicion, and this could be completely wrong, just had a suspicion that she was very forward last year. And I'm just not sure if you put her up against some of the horses she beat at the start of last season, whether she'd beat them again now. 
Um, so that would just be something at the back of my mind. The one I'm gonna I'm gonna go for uh, is Isabella Giles uh, for Clive Cox and Adam Kirby. I'm just gonna give her a chance. I know she was desperately disappointing in the Phillies Mile, but there was excuses that day. Uh, she's won the Prestige and the and the Rockfell before that, looking very impressive in the process. I think this step back down to seven furlongs should suit her. She seems grand versatile. And and she was very likable last year. Again, she's going to have to go and prove that she's she's trained on from two to three. But there's no reason to suggest she won't. Uh, she looked very good last year for the majority up until that last run. And I I think she's probably the percentage play at the prices. The one I'm very interested in, I'm not probably going to back her, uh, but is this lucid dreamer a Roger Charlton? So mm. I think she could be um, very interesting. I'm probably not going to play her, but. I'll certainly be keeping a wide eye out on her because she's open to an awful lot of improvement. I thought she did it very snugly at Newbury at the back end of last year in a in a small runner conditions race. I thought she looked quite nice and still looked like she was learning on the job. So certainly one I suspect to keep the right side of. She certainly looks like she'll improve uh, for a bit of time off and maybe a, a, a winter strengthening up. So Isabella Giles for today. Uh, or sorry for Sunday's race, but uh, probably Lucid Dreamer going forward into the season. Yeah, I think Lucid Dreamer looked very green on debut, but she looked an awful lot better over course and distance on her second start. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if she kicked the season off with a win. Um, so she's definitely a horse I'm keeping a very close eye on, but she might need it. You're you're right about that. And um, just remind us of your selection again. Isabella Giles, I think she's probably the the, the strong stronger call just based off her form last year. Yeah, she one of the toughest fillies in training last year, and I completely agree with you. Very much excuses available to her. Um, she was a horse that you really liked as well, Rory. Uh, she was, yeah, and I'm 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 going to agree with um uh, with Andrew there. Go on, the um, for all. Um, um, alcohol free is um, is clearly a, a smart prospect. I think um, if there's one that's going to be underrated in the race, it will be Isabella Charles based on um, on what happened at, uh, at Newmarket when she just gave every indication of being over the top. Um, you know, she she hadn't pulled like that in her earlier races, and that's, that's often a sign um, when they go over the top. It's not just a case of, of them running flat. They often, interestingly, as, as speaking to someone about this a couple of years ago. Um, they say you can often get fooled by fillies suddenly working, seeming to work better than they've done at home and thinking, oh, this, she's not over the top at all. She's absolutely flying. And then you, you run them on the course and you find out what they're doing is they've just stopped saving something for themselves. Um, and that's as a result, they tend to work a bit more freely at home. The freeness makes you think that they're in really good order. And actually you run them on the track and they, they just race freely on the track as well, which is no good. Um, and that's what happened to her. So I think all the signs were that she just had one race too many. Um, her form before that's very good. She was, uh, she didn't get the credit she deserved for winning at Goodwood and the Prestige Stakes. I know she got the, she took the shortest route home that day compared to the the favourite, um, for example. But she was, uh, she was valued for the for the margin she beat uh, Prado by. I thought um, she's a case of whether you know Pomelo. Um, got a poor ride in the end from Harry Bentley, who came a long, long way to get to the real in the straight. Whereas, it, it, you know, you, you want to race on 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 that side of the track, but you don't want to you don't want to spend an age coming across. Um, and Adam Kirby, who also sort of came to the middle of the track um, on the on the, the the soft ground at Goodwood, just saved about five lengths by doing so. But Pomelo was well beaten in the end; she ended up finishing last. Um, and Isabella Charles is, is better judged on, on the form of the the second and third there. We know that Seattle Rock, who was third, had lots of good form last season. Not easy to win with, but she's a fair, fairly um, decent yardstick. Um, and as I said, I think I think that form is solid and it's been a little bit underrated. Uh, and of course, she went on and, and, and proved that by winning the Rockville. Mm. Um, so I don't I don't know why you'd want to um, question her really. Um, so she's um, she she maybe lacks the scope of. Um, uh, of alcohol free, but Phillies are never easy. You know, you always assume, you know, however many runs they've had it to. Look at Sacred the other day. I mean, she looked like she'd she'd gone properly over the top at the end of last season. Like, you know, uh, she hadn't progressed at all since um uh since the middle of the summer. She was beaten in the flying children's then she comes back and wins an El Quinn yeah. over a ship that you wouldn't have thought she'd stay. Um and I remember Pebbles, um, who was one of the best Phillies I've ever seen when she when she turned up um for the Guineas having had a really busy season, no one wanted her at all. Um, and you know, in the anti post markets, they just written her off because she was. I know, I know, we're going back a long time to deal with pebbles, but the, the notion that you you look at, 
you look at fillies and colts differently. If you have a colt who's run eight or nine times as a two-year-old, you tend to think, well, that's not going to progress to win a classic at three. Uh, fillies can. Fillies can take a lot of racing and then suddenly thrive um, just in the summer of the three-year-old careers. So don't judge them um, based on the number of runs that they've had. Very much agreed. Quick question for all of you. Has Danica O'Brien ruled shale out of the 1,000 guineas? No idea. Nope, I've absolutely no. Okay, then the 20 to 1 is absolute madness because she needed that run on her comeback and talking about being over the top, she was over the top in this race. Danica said that. So 20 to 1 about the 1,000 guineas when Aidan O'Brien has expressed serious reservations on this very podcast about the favourite. Not saying she can't do it, but that it will take something very special. Paraphrasing, but that's in and around what he said. So 20s about Shale, one of the best fillies around last season. Bonkers. And I agree with you, both about Isabella Giles. Let's get stuck in. Right, 2.45 is the Watership Down Stud 2 Darn Hot Greenham Stakes. Could I have said that any slower? I'm not sure. Right, so we've got uh, a number of very interesting horses in here, including Chint, of course. And he is favoured, uh, around about 9 to 4. Then Fundamental, 4s. Uh, Nando Prando, 7s with a Master, 8s. Uh, Andrew Blair White, what is, is your thinking for the 2000 Guineas trial? Uh, the Greenham. Yeah, I think it's a, it's it's another tricky race. Um, th- th- this one, obviously, Chint just brings a... A level of form to the table that, that looks hard to beat and, and probably will be hard to beat. Um, that being said, I'm going to take a chance on Alchemate in this. I'm not sure about the seven furlong trip. It is a little bit of a question mark given that he, he only ran on us once last last year in the Dewhurst. But that was a, was a bit like Isabella Giles in the Phillies Mile. You know, you can just put a line through that completely. Um. I'm just a little bit disappointed that Jim Crowley's not on uh, Alchemation. He's on Mujbar instead for Charles Hills. Um, that would just slightly temper my enthusiasm. And there is that worry that Alchemation potentially might be better over six furlongs this year. Uh, that being said, I think he's a very nice horse um, by the same sire as Marcus Tregonings and Mahather from last year, obviously. And uh, so he knows, knows it well. <sighs> I just think this horse, the way he won the Mill Reef at Newbury was, was in the style of a really, really good horse. And uh, I'd like to hope that he may be able to uh, continue that on uh, th- this year. I do think in time he will get seven furlongs, especially on nicer ground. Uh, so that would be my hope. And uh, I'll probably play him, but a bit of a tentative play, I suspect. Uh, and just hoping he runs well. And if he doesn't stay, uh, I still think there'll be a big future for him this year over six furlongs. Okay. So uh, you were going for Alchemate Dane O'Neill on board. So technically speaking, the second string fives and a shorter price uh, than who Jim Crowley is writing. Uh, Mujibar, who is 12s. Interesting. Roy DeLarge. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that uh, largely, but I do, um, I think Alchemate is a sprinter. I think everything he did last year suggests that he's quite high strong as well. He's a little bit frightened of the wind, uh, as we find out um, on that that run when he when he won the Mill Reef. Um, he's clearly very smart. He didn't give his running um, in the uh, in the Dewhurst, um, having he probably got uh, New New Marcus a lot more exposed to New Breeze. Um, and if, if he is a horse, as Marcus Dragoning said, who who is um, frightened by the wind. Uh, then there was plenty of wind for him to be frightened by a new market. Um, I'm happy to forgive that, but you wouldn't want to take him to the guineas um, on the base on the back of that anyway. Um, but obviously, they want to find out if he stays beyond six furlongs, and it makes a bit of sense at this stage of the season to to run him here. Um, they could they could run him at um, Ascot's opening fixture as well. It's a nice uh, six furlong contest there. Um, but you might as well throw your hat in the ring. Um, and I think he, you know he, he deserves his chance here, but. Um, my reading of his form last year is that he's very much a a, a sprinter in the making. Um, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't judge his stamina purely on the um, on the Dewhurst, um, but I, I'm very much unconvinced about his stamina. Nando Parada was better than than um, than his 151 SP in the in the Coventry. He ran <laughs> much better races um, on his next two starts um, in in Grade One company afterwards, um, finishing second in the. Uh, in the the Grand Criterium, um, and Grady probably wouldn't have liked. Um, he 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 may do all right this season. Nando Parado, no reason to think he won't train on. 
Um, but I, 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 I do like Chindit here. Um, again, he was disappointing in the um, in the Dewhurst, um, but he got messed around a bit in the run, and Pat Dobbs didn't didn't um, uh, get too serious with him um, when it looked like his winning chance had gone. Uh, prior to that, um, he'd won his um, he'd won his first three, and I was very impressed with his. Uh, his win in the Champion Stakes at, uh, at Doncaster, I thought that was a, I thought it was a very good race. I think both he um, and Al Bashir are, um, are are um, promising types. Obviously, State of Rest was disappointing uh, next time. But Mujbar, who who um, uh, who finished fourth, was a was a good winner on his next start. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was a smart piece of form from Chindon. I thought he was clearly the best horse on the day. Um, he only won by a length in the end, but he travelled really strongly through the contest, and I thought he had a little bit in hand. Obviously, didn't repeat it, um, but he's he's suited by a track like like Doncaster, which means he's going to be suited by a track like like Newbury again. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the likelihood of him getting a pretty um, pretty quick grind as well is a big positive. Um, he handled it well both at Ascot and at Doncaster and you can maybe argue that the ground was on the soft side from a new market I'm not I'm not sure I would jump to that conclusion straight away but uh, his as I said his performance in the Champion Stakes I thought was one of the one of the nicest two-year-old performances of last season uh, and it suggests that he'd be ideally suited to this I'm not sure he, I'm not sure he's a minor um, there's a, a fair degree of seven foot on speed in this pedigree all his runs have come over seven so far Um and uh, his dad, his dad was a seven furlong uh, performer, and she started um, Oasis Dream. Sorry, by Oasis Dream, Jenny me, can't believe I said that. Uh, I was going to say he was out of an Oasis Dream mare, um, but uh, yeah, I think seven furlongs, quickish grounds. Um, at Newbury will be absolutely ideal for Chindon. I think I'll take a decent horse to beat. This brings us to the 320, the Mansion Bet Spring Cup. And we've got a Nearcos family horse at the head of the market. Well, colour me pink. That's it. We're done. Take it away, Andrew. Tell us why Troll Peninsula is going to bolt up. He could be very well in. Um, there's no getting away from that. Quite like Dania. I backed Dania in the Lincoln. And he ran a ran a very uh, perfectly respectable race yeah. uh, in the process. We were both on. Still, yeah, still learning, Daniel. I feel he, a little bit immature still for a horse who's, who's had plenty of runs at this stage. And I still think there's maybe a little bit more to, to get out of him. Uh, he, he'd be one I would be interested in. One, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I might have a couple of quid on each way. Just, I, I think he's a nice horse. I, I really, really liked him last year. Is Brian Meehan's horse and this rack? Um, he potentially may want the, may need this run, and he's off a career high mark of 107. Uh, but every right to, to have gone up in the weights last year. He was very, very good. I thought he won a couple of times. He won at Sands and he won at Ascot. Uh, before finishing fifth in the Barrel Marl. I think you can mark up that performance uh, as well. I'm not sure the, the race just quite went to suit. He ended up in, in front plenty early enough. I know he's been prominent in, in other ones, in, in other of his races, but that was his first big field handicap. It is tough to make all in those big, you know, 20 runner miles, straight, you know, straight mile races at, at Ascot. Uh, so I'd mark that up. I don't know whether, you know, off top weight of 107, I, I'm surprised they're not having a dip into listed class with them and, and, and throwing their hand at that or, or potentially even a Group 3. I think he's got the ability uh, to become a, a Group 3 horse. And it's interesting that he, he is still an entire horse as well. They haven't gone and gelded him yet. Mm. as They obviously think uh, there may be a future uh, for him at the moment anyway. And uh, that, that always just make, makes me feel a bit better that they're obviously seeing something. And, and they're seeing potential breeding possibilities still in the tank with this horse. I thought he did it very nicely, as I say, in his two starts, especially that, that win at Ascot where he beat Bransky five lengths. And it was an extremely impressive performance. He may well need this run, but he's certainly one to keep an eye out for. And I'll probably have a couple of quid each way on him at a double-figure price. Yes, Roick, who you can get as a best price at 12-1 to 1 for Brian Meehan and Dane O'Neill. Rory? Uh, uh, you'd be delighted... Um, to hear if I can find the race again, um, that um, I was um, very keen on the Nearcos horse here. I was looking for, looking for one at a biggish price. Come on, Delargy, the crowd goes wild. Um, but I have to say, the more the more I looked at the race, uh, the more I thought that uh, 
Troll Peninsula was was potentially thrown in here. Yeah, uh, I was really impressed by his win at Kempton um, last time. I always only had the one run on on um, uh, turf, and that came at um, at red car um, on heavy ground, uh, which will be very different to what he what he faces here. But um, uh, two um, two runs on on the all weather in, in maiden slash novice company have made him look like a like a decent horse. And although he was well placed the way the race um, played out at Kempton last time, I, I just thought, uh, physically I thought it was just very impressive. Um, it, it looked a pretty well contested um, novice uh, with all the big yards represented. He's beating horses from uh, John and Thierry Gostin, James Fanshaw, um, and all the rest of them in that uh, in that contest. Um, with uh, both Bonneval and Mount Marcy have been shown useful form beforehand. And he's beaten uh, Mount Marcy three and a half lengths uh, with Bonneval another half length behind. Um, the the horse he was um, uh, also penalised for having won before. But uh, Bonneval had Benoit de la Sayette taking seven pounds off him. Um, and for Troll Peninsula to beat him four lengths um, with more up his sleeve, I thought it was a very good performance. Um, I think he could easily be higher than 88, a fair bit higher than 88 as well, even on the bare form of that. And while it's never easy winning a big race like the uh, the Spring Cup um, on your handicap debut, I just thought he was um, uh, he was just the type of horse to um, to win this on the way to picking up black type in the summer. Yeah, I thought he looked a so, group class yeah. horse in the making on that on the basis of that victory. Yeah, and obviously the, hand, the handicap's got a, a tough job. Um, keeping tabs on horses like that because you know you, you can only judge them on on um, uh, on the form they're showing. You want a, a class five novice, exactly how high can the, can you can you go in terms of a handicap mark? But um, some of those tend to be very well um, um, very well contested. I wouldn't be at all surprised if the second and third turned out to be fairly useful handicappers themselves. Um, and as I said, he's he's won that in, in really nice style. I think I think Caraconti will will do well as a um, stallion. As a sire as well, yeah, I think um, so too. and and I think um, you know, sort of eight to ten furlongs on goodish ground um, will be where his stock will do will do particularly well, and uh, I uh, I like this one. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't looking for him; I was looking for something a lot darker in this race. But I just I find it the more I looked at it, the harder it was to um, to get away from him. Obviously, as I said, his inexperience could let him down, but he didn't look. He didn't look inexperienced. No. That's the thing, you know. He's, he looked very professional. He's one, he's one, he looked very professional last time out, and he looked the kind of horse you throw him in a big handicap. He won't be, um, um, he won't show many signs of greenness. So he's the obvious one. The, the one that I was, you know, I was trying to convince myself to, to go for in the race was Matthew Flinders, um, who's a horse who should do well in in fast ground handicaps this year. He, he did uh, race over a mile and a quarter um, last season, um, but. I think he'd be a better horse over a mile. Um, he won over a mile and a quarter at Doncaster, but ran at least as well. If I ran a lot better when winning over a mile at the same track in September, and then to me, he didn't. He didn't stay uh, a mile and a quarter on softer ground at York in October. Um, so I think he was winning over a mile and a quarter by dint of just um, having more class than his rivals earlier in the season. Um, he, you know, he's out of a, a monsieur mare, so, so a mile and a quarter really should be his trip. Uh, but you know, Siuni tends to be a sire of milers, and he he looks like because he's quite a forward goer, he's quite a free goer. I think he's he's always going to do best at, at around a mile. Um, and dropping back in trip is a big positive for him. So he he'd be the uh, he'd be the other one that I'd have on my radar for the race. Caracontite, by the way, is a triple Group One winner who, of course, won the Breeders' Cup mile, and the Niarcos family have thrown a lot of their chips in with him because he's covered an awful lot of their mares. Some with Aidan O'Brien, some with Jessica Harrington, uh, some spread across France with Andre Fab. So they're they're going for it with him. And uh, let's see if this fella can get the job done. So that's Troll Peninsula. Uh, your second pick is Matthew Flinders, but you've talked yourself out of it. I was going for Dania blindly. And then as I scrolled down through the list, I went, wait, this guy looked group class in the making last time out. So he'd probably be my nap of the weekend, Troll Peninsula. Which leads me to the question, what is the nap of the weekend? For Andrew Blair White. Uh, it would be Tommy's Oscar in the Scottish Champion Hurdle. Tommy's Oscar. Okay. Any relation to Tommy Hunter? I wonder if- <coughs> oh, no. oh. Line of Duty fans, Sunday night, watch. 
Let's not say anything. No spoilers. See, birthday is Ted Hastings. You know, that's not a, that's not a spoiler. Me and Ted Hastings have the same birthday. Not the same year, mind you. Fifteenth of July. Delargy been doing his detective work. We've had a nice debate about this beforehand, but we're not saying anything. That's it. No spoilers for Line of Duty Sunday night BBC One. Make sure you don't miss it. It's an amazing show, and I have a terrible fear this could be the last season. Anyway, Roy Delargy. A dingle dollar in the in the Scottish national. Oh, we got ourselves a patent, ladies and gentlemen, because I'll put up Troll Peninsula. There's your three and. Seriously, look at Tote Plus on the day. First of all, whatever the SP is, you're guaranteed to get that anyway. But now Tote are also going to add 10% to your winnings. Tote Plus, check it out this weekend. It's been fun, gentlemen. Uh, thank you very, very much. Andrew Blair White, pleasure to chat to you as always. Looking forward to talking to you again as we resume normal proceedings on Thursday next week. Thanks, Amos. Pleasure. Take care. Rory, pleasure as always. Uh, looking forward to chatting to you again on Thursday as well. Marvelous stuff. And th- thank you to you for listening. Uh, we have a special with Richard Johnson to come he's an absolute gentleman and I really hope you enjoy it but again if you haven't listened to our entry reviews yet they're both available for you some winners in waiting there and our Aidan O'Brien podcast is available as well 40 minutes on some of his biggest horses of the season and some of the horses that he gives to follow not horses that you would be thinking of at all particularly when it comes to the older horses one of them is all train them one of <laughs> one of them's already won uh, Lope Fernandez has come out and won he said on the Final Fallen podcast exclusively this horse will be a miler this season if you like this content with Andrew and Rory then retweet share on social media that's all we ask of you have a great weekend enjoy it take care God bless The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote bet with Tote and support racing in the UK and Ireland The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.